Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Do us a favor, subscribe to the channel, hit the bell, comment down below, and upvote the video itself. Also, join our subtext community to where exclusive events like the live stream this past weekend is available to you as well. Pratt Rogers is joining us for a weekly segment. How you doing, Pratt? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Stephen. How are you, buddy? Man, I'm doing outstanding. I mean, I hate that football is kind of ending for a little bit, but it it was nice to have it around while we did. Well, you know, you could say ending. You could say maybe beginning um, Mm -hmm. with the transfer portal opening up on Saturday. Maybe be some good gossip here over the next, you know, a couple weeks, hopefully, of new uh, transfers, Kiffin's chasing. So I kind of look at it the same way you do. I love seeing the live action in the Grove Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of the Grove Bowl, what are your impressions from that game? Man, I thought it was awesome. I I mean, I thought the Grove Bowl was exactly what what you want it to be, a high-scoring affair, an entertaining event. Um, I thought there were a lot of players that made plays that kind of didn't really think would be making plays, and that's kind of the purpose of the Grove Bowl, right? I mean, to let younger, inexperienced players get some PT, stuff like that. Um, but I mean, the guy who we've been talking about a lot, I mean, I feel like every podcast, his name comes up just based off his potential. I mean, Trig balled out. I thought he had a great, great, great Grove Bowl and he needed it. Um, so, I mean, that was kind of my initial first impression, nine catches, I mean, and the acrobatic catch while he was falling down, you know, he just, he, he looks bigger than everybody on the field. He just... He looked ready this year, Stephen. I mean, I, I don't know if you got that impression, but I just sat there. I was like, Trigg's got his mind right. And uh, I, I hope he does, and I'm optimistic about it. But he went out and performed on, on Saturday. Yeah, and, and I hope that it you know propels into the fall because we heard these stories last year and it didn't quite translate. I hope it does translate this fall. But Chris Marshall, by the way, that that is the Golly. one player that – yeah, um, he he looks like pre-Laquan injury Laquan. Yeah, I mean, he has a chance to be dominant, a receiver that we haven't really had since, I guess, A.J. walked off campus. Um, but he is that Laquan tribe guy. And you see that number 12 throwing out there. Kind of makes you think of Dante Moncrief, you know. Can't and, help it. Yeah, you can't just, can't, it. just can't help but see that. And I, I, th- I thought his, his game and the way he played was really good. Saturday. Yep, no doubt. Walker Howard was quoted calling him a freak specimen. Um, and the thing that immediately stuck out, uh, in my opinion, about Marshall was every time there was a contested catch, he was going up and getting it. And that was the thing that, that, that stood out to me. It was like, hey, anytime there was a tough catch, he got it. Whether it was the sideline play where he, you know, uh, tiptoed and called it at the uh, on the sideline, and everybody ruled him out, but he was in. And I mean, and uh, then the back shoulder fade towards the end zone. I mean, there was like three or four where I sit there and say those are 50-50 balls for an average receiver. The absolutely the odds were shifted in his favor on every single one of those 50-50 balls. I felt. I don't know if it was necessarily kind of high-pointing the ball well. I'm not sure about that, but I just 100% felt that 
every time it was a close call, he was going up and getting it and making a play for, uh, uh, for the offense. Yeah, and when you think about it, it tied in between Michael Trigg and Caden Priestcorn, and then at wide receiver, you have Chris Marshall and several guys that look the part that can do the job. At running back, you have Quinshawn, who may be the best running back in the country, and um, backed up by Ulysses Bentley IV, who is an AAC All-Conference former back. So that puts a lot of pressure on the quarterback position. How do you see the quarterback position this weekend? Well, I mean, I would say the first thing is Walker Howard. I mean, was, I thought, the best of all three. I thought Dart had some moments where he overthrew a few long balls, and we all know he loves tossing the long ball. Sometimes he doesn't always connect on the long ball. But um, I thought Howard played exceptional. I thought Dart played fine, and I thought Sanders played fine, but honestly, I thought Howard played a near-perfect game. I think he was 11 for 13, three TDs, 184 yards, and like 20 or 30 yards rushing. I mean, I I think that's exceptional to only throw two incomplete passes in your, you know, in in your first Grove Bowl. My goodness, I gave him an A+. Yeah, and you just figure in the fall, we're going to have a legit real quarterback competition, and we're going to have a summer full of drama, all the way through until the Mercer game where we're wondering who is stepping on the field in that game. That That is the way I think this is going to roll out. Yep, no doubt. And we both agree that we believe this is a Dart-Sanders battle and transaction and probably a Dart thing. But how encouraging is it to see a guy with limited real-time action go in and just have a absolute great Grove Bowl who's the future of your program? I mean, I can't really think of anything more encouraging, and there's probably no one on the field I would rather have had, or rather have had seen have such a great game outside him. I mean, I think he was kind of the one all eyes are on to go do a good job, as you may be the guy for the next three years after this, you know. So um, I, I think that's probably the most encouraging thing I saw um, uh, throughout the duration of the practice. You know, um, physically, watching Walker throw, I see Matt Corral just physically with him just playing the position. But demeanor-wise, like the way he, he moves around, the way he does stuff, very Eli. I mean. I, you know, we, I, I've, I've heard you mention that. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, a, it's a daunting comparison for mm-hmm. a young man, I can imagine. But, uh, you know, that's that's – if you're even in that conversation, you're you're a great athlete, and that's what stuck out to me too, Stephen. And you mentioned his movements. I mean, the first thing that immediately caught my eye during the game with Walker was his ability to throw on the run. I just sat there. I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, the, he looks so smooth. I mean, incredibly accurate and incredibly smooth and comfortable rolling left, throwing right, or vice versa. Um, and that was really kind of what, what was awesome, I thought. And I don't know if they ran a lot of rollouts intentionally to protect the QB or anything like that during Grove Bowl, but I felt like we had a lot where, uh, a lot of plays where Howard was rolling one way or getting out of, you know, making a difficult play that he did an exceptional job on. Yeah, I think everybody needs to, um, also, be pretty impressed with what he did. On his first touchdown um, that he threw, 
It was on like a fourth and one or fourth and two. It was a very short yardage thing, and they called a hide play where the tight end goes from one side of the formation out to the flat on the other side, and it's supposed to be like a three- or four-yard completion to get the first down. Well, it was covered up. The defense did a really good job of covering that play up. And Walker Howard went from that on the run, on at its fourth down, to a second read. It wasn't there. And then saw Ulysses Bentley breaking up and then threw him open. That ball wasn't a straight-line shot that you would see. He threw him open. That ended up being a touchdown on a play that, honestly, last year against Vanderbilt, in a similar situation, there was a pass that was it was dropped by Casey Kelly. That that's that play, and yeah. and Walker Howard not only did he turn that in not just a fourth down conversion, turned it into a touchdown, and, and it, that that had just impressed the heck out of me. Yep, and you mentioned Bentley. Uh, I thought Ulysses, Ulysses Bentley had an, an incredible game too, and I understand the load was light on Judkins intentionally. Um, Man, he really showed some speed on that forty-yard run, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, I really that was like awesome. Bentley. Yeah, I yeah. really like Bentley. He looked, no, he looked I, like I um, he looked like um, prime Jerry and Ely whenever he got going on that long touchdown. Yep, nobody was catching him, and it's it's hard to forget that last year we had that. Just somebody was banged up and didn't get a chance to show it often, you know. Um, and you just, you gotta be optimistic about, um, him going out and really producing and being the number two guy this year. Yeah. One, one receiver that I noticed in the game that I'm paying attention to going into fall is Brandon Buckhalter. He obviously looks confident enough. He has the demeanor, um, of somebody that is kind of growing with Walker Howard. And because of that, that is helping him with Spencer Sanders. Cause that's who he was playing with. Saturday as well. So I, I'm thinking Brandon Buckhalter might find himself in the rotation come this fall. Yeah, I thought Buckhalter had a great game too. And I'd been reading a few articles, kind of like you mentioned, there was a lot of chemistry between Howard and um, and Buckhalter um, in, in spring practice and, um, you know, just training together, whatever. Um, that definitely showed in the Grove Bowl, and uh, the on three guys definitely had that one spot on because there was definitely some sort of favoritism, I felt like, towards Buckhalter to where he uh, he was absolutely a very comfortable target for Howard. Yeah, and we brag about it for Walker Howard, but we also saw the other side of the coin with Jackson Dart and Chris Marshall at the end of the game. There was almost a Matt Corral-Elijah Moore relationship that happened on the last drive where every every play he was essentially looking for him and you saw the negative of that and on the other side you see the positive of it so it's it's a double-edged sword for sure for sure and what did i'll ask you this i thought dart seemed a little upset with his performance until the fabricated uh ending of the game i thought that you know he probably threw 50 percent completion something like that and he seemed his he's seemed very calm cool collected but i just felt like his demeanor was a little bit you know i know i can do better than this sort of mentality would you feel feel anything like that or me kind of just reading too much Uh, into it i I think you probably feel that way because i felt like he could have done better i was expecting more out of dart honestly um even though you know it's one practice you know we don't know what the other 11 look like but um he did not use the middle of the field very well at all. He had one pass, I think, like 
it was like 20 yards downfield. It wasn't like a typical over-the-middle type play, but he did complete one pass over the middle. But he didn't use it. It was still all outside the numbers, all outside. And I, I don't know if that is a personal preference thing, if he has trouble picking up linebackers and that makes him nervous about turning over the football. I, 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 that I'm not 100% sure, but all I do know is this for sure. This offense will not be as good if they don't use the middle of the field. Yep. No, I agree with that, especially with the weapons that we should have in pre-scoring and trig running, mm-hmm. you know, short intermediate routes. I, I think that we're, we're underutilizing the skill set that we have if we can't throw the ball over the middle. So, I mean, that'll be very interesting to see. Yeah. And, and we'll have to wait until this fall and, and during the scrimmages pay really close attention whether or not Jackson Dart does that, because if it's more of the same and there's no development along that front, that is problematic for this offense, and the win total for this team this year is probably seven wins if he does yep. not use the middle of the field. If he I uses the middle field, he unlocks the offense, and eight, nine, ten wins is possible, but seven wins is probably the ceiling if he doesn't use the middle of the field. Well, you know, even if we, we – can sort of incorporate the middle of the field. You kind of worry about the uh, seven wins as it is just with Bama and Georgia, as we've mentioned on here before. Um, So yeah, not an easy schedule next year in itself. So we, we really do have to be able to utilize the entirety of the field and use all our advantages when possible. And kind of like we were talking about trig and pre-scorn. One player I was a little disappointed in probably was pre-scorn. I mean, his brother was at the game. We've talked about on a prior podcast, Brady Prescorn, a very high four-star tight end. And um, Caden Prescorn had zero catches during the game. Zero targets, zero catches. I didn't see him much at all. I don't know really what what was up with that. I, I don't know if you have any insight that I missed, but I was pretty shocked to see that um, – he just wasn't targeted much, and I, you would think, if anything, when his brother's in town and you're trying to impress a recruit, that he would be targeted a lot. We'd have a cool, you know, uh, player to design specifically for him. Uh, but didn't see that at all, and was a little confused on that at a minimum. Yeah, you know, I, I think it all comes down to the Jackson Dart middle of the field thing. Honestly, uh, it, I, on the other side, Michael Trigg caught nine balls, so yep. it wasn't a call thing. It, you know, it, it, it wasn't that. So I, I honestly think that this is, this is a situation we need to talk about. And, you know, tomorrow we're going to have Bill Flowers on the show, and I'm sure he is going to harp on this. Because Bill Flowers said he wanted to see three things from Jackson Dart in the spring game and in his development as a whole. First of all, get the ball out of his hand quickly. Jackson Dart did that. Absolutely. Second, no turnovers. Jackson Dart did that. No problem. Third one, use all quadrants of the field, and that is the area that he is developing, I think, right now. A lot of time, a lot of water to go under the bridge between now and the Mercer game. So he has a chance to get it right, but if the Mercer game looks like the Ball did and there's no movement, that that's a problem for this offense because we have a chance. We have the ability to be an incredibly special outfit, but we need to be able to figure out a way to utilize it. No doubt, and it's easy for both of us to sit here and put the Grove Bowl under a microscope because it is, like we said, one practice and um, easy to say that that's a trend when it may not be yet, but it is. it has 
the the throwing over the middle, the non-throwing over the middle of the field has been an absolute thing over the last year. Nonetheless, just being repeated in the Grove Bowl is what I would definitely call a trend. So it's it's eye-opening, and it's something to pay attention to. And, um, yeah, I hope, that, I hope that we can see some change in that world. Yeah, lots of water to flow under the bridge before Mercer. So I'm not, I'm not going to freak out about it yet. I just make a little mental note of what's going on in case this fall the same thing is happening still. All right, Pratt, let's do our players of the game or your players of the game. Offensively, here are the rules. Only one of the two players can be a quarterback, but you have to pick two offensive players. Who are your players of the game? Players of the game on offense, uh, Walker Howard. Uh, is my QB pick, no doubt. Um, and I would go Trigg is my non-QB pick. I mean, I thought he really needed this game, and I think he really did a great job. I think he was enthusiastic being out there. He was jumping up and down on the sidelines, and he did get the one uh, the one penalty where uh, at the very end of the game for taking his helmet off and running on the field uh, at the end of the game. And I think Kiffin, you know, his attention to detail was incredible on that, you know, giving him a learning lesson of, hey, you can't do that. You know, that's a 15-yard penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct. And uh, I know it's all fun and games, but you got to you gotta commend somebody who coaches to the, the, final, the final whistle. But, uh, no, I'd definitely give Trigg the number two MVP, and uh, I thought he did an exceptional job. All right, defensive side of the ball, who are we looking at? Defensive side of the ball? You know, I don't know how many tackles he registered, probably only four or five, but I feel like Elijah Sabatini's name was just called constantly, whether he was, you know, in the mix for uh, making the play or, you know, kind of a gang tackle mentality, may not get full credit for, stuff like that. But uh, kind of one of those young, uh, or I guess uh, rising stars that uh, you don't, necessarily expect to hear a lot of but we did hear his name called a lot in the Grove Bowl and I hope that he plays a more meaningful role this year okay what's the second one second one I would probably say uh, just out of pure excitement uh, I would probably say Xavion Harris and it had nothing to do with his production it had nothing to do with anything other than he is just a, a obscenely Enormous. large yeah. human I mean I see why everybody says, oh, he's going to be a multi-million dollar tackle one day in the NFL and make a career doing that. I get it. But how cool is it to see him line up, just be bigger than every offensive lineman we've got and just line up over, you know, on the defensive line and just sit there as a as an absolute mammoth, a towering figure over everybody else. It was just awesome, I felt like. I, I had I, – I heard him say on the uh, – uh, sports cast, whatever, that he was 6'7", 365. Yeah. And I had no, I knew he was 6'7". I did not know he was 365. Um, but anyway, so from that perspective, I would say he would be number two. And it's really just out of excitement for me, Stephen. There's no facts to back it up. There's nothing, uh, there, there's no statistics other than I'm just super excited to see him go wear somebody out next year. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. Check out Bill Flowers, the former Ole Miss wide receiver, is going to come on to talk Grow Bowl reaction as we are doing Grow Bowl reactions pretty much throughout the week to talk about 
the beautiful thing we call football and how sad we are to see it go. Anyway, Pratt, um, thank you very much for stopping by today, and we will talk to you next week, brother. All righty. See you, man. Take care.